this been amazing? We're not here just for another performance or a holiday tradition. We're here because we have a real hope to celebrate. A hope that changes everything. And we're here tonight celebrating this hope because Jesus, the light of the world, our Savior, our King, the God of this entire universe, Jesus is right here with us tonight. As I share from God's Word, I believe He is going to be speaking to your heart. Some of you already know Him, probably many of you do. I believe He's going to encourage you tonight. Some of you here don't yet know Him. I believe that as you hear His words, you'll experience Him in a very real and personal way. My hope is that tonight, will be your greatest Christmas celebration yet. I'm going to start by reading in Matthew chapter 1, and this is a very familiar passage. You've probably heard it many times, and I'm guessing you'll probably hear it again before this Christmas season comes to a close. But we're going to read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born. Joseph named him Jesus. There are three things that I want to call your attention to in this short little passage. First, it tells us that Jesus is the Messiah. And I'm going to go into a little more detail about what that means in a minute. It also says that he is our Savior and that he came to save his people from their sins. We also see something incredible here, that he is God in human flesh. God that came to live with us. And this is something that sets Christianity apart from every other faith. We don't get tangled up trying to earn our way to God. We have a God that loved us so much that he came to us. And again, this changes everything. You know, if it was just a story, it would not make much sense for us to be celebrating it the way we are today. But this is not just a story. I don't like falling for tricks any more than anyone else does. And I'm going to tell you a funny story about something I kept falling for year after year. And it will make a little bit of sense in a minute. I have a dear friend that is now one of my co-workers in ministry. And for many years he would put his birthday on Facebook and he put the wrong date on there. 
And he got me pretty much every year for a few years in a row. And I would go into this heartfelt happy birthday message telling him uh, just what a, what a special friend he was and all this, only to find out year after year that it wasn't really his birthday. And you'd think that I wouldn't be so gullible and that I would come uh, to, to recognize that April 1st was not his birthday. <laughs> I fell for it over and over, and it was embarrassing. Maybe you've driven down the highway and seen the billboards that say uh, Christmas is a myth, right? I want to tell you, it is not a myth. It is a fact of history. And you never again have to feel embarrassed about our faith, because this is true. I'm going to begin with a few reasons that you can know what we're talking about is actual history. And I'm going to compare for you some of the historical evidence for Jesus and Tiberius Caesar, who ruled the known world of his day. Tiberius is mentioned by Luke. That's the only Bible author that mentions him by name. He's also mentioned by nine secular historians. So there are about ten people in antiquity that refer to Tiberius Caesar. He ruled the known world of Jesus' day, so you'd expect there to be some history about this man. Now compare this to Jesus, right? There are nine New Testament writers that write about Jesus. That's probably not a surprise to most of you. There are also nine secular historians from that time that talk about Jesus. Interesting note, they corroborate what we read in the Bible. They don't say something different. There are also 20 other Christian authors outside of the Bible that talk about Jesus, and even four heretical ones that said some wrong things about him, but they confirmed his historicity. When we talk about Christmas and Jesus being born in Bethlehem, we are talking about a fact of history. And if all he did was come and live and die, that wouldn't be much to celebrate. The reason that we celebrate tonight is he rose from the dead. He went to the cross to pay for our sins, and then he rose from the dead. He conquered death for you and me. All throughout human history, people yearned for immortality. The Egyptians built pyramids, thinking that might achieve it for them. The first pharaoh of China would drink mercury tablets, trying to achieve eternal life. And it didn't work out so well. <laughs> Jesus beat death. We've sang about it tonight. From all of human history, he's the only one that has the authority to give me and you eternal life. And that is what we celebrate. The historical evidence for the resurrection is phenomenal. You might have heard Gary Habermas just about a year ago standing right here talking about it. The world's expert on the topic. But the crucifixion of Jesus, his burial in a rich man's tomb, the fact that that tomb was found empty a few days later, the fact that hundreds of people saw Jesus after that fact, the fact that even skeptics came to believe in him as a result of that, and the fact that all of this testimony goes back even to the year that it happened, confirms that this is a fact of history. So as we remember what we celebrate right now, the only true hope this world has ever known we can know that we are not celebrating in vain. We are celebrating the truth tonight. Now let me go back to Matthew chapter 1. It says that Jesus is our Messiah. And the word there, Messiah, in the New Testament, it's Christ. And it means anointed one. And the reason that Jesus was the Messiah is he is the one that 
Israel had been waiting for. Jeremiah had prophesied hundreds of years before that he would be a descendant of David. Matthew tells us the genealogy of Jesus right here in chapter 1 that confirms he really was from the line of David. Isaiah prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. We've heard that quoted twice already tonight. Micah even prophesied the city that he would be born in. This is almost unbelievable, but it's true. Daniel in chapter 9 prophesies the exact time that the Messiah would come to die for our sins. Many scholars would say to the day when Jesus died for our sins. David, Isaiah, and Zechariah all prophesied his death by crucifixion for our sins. Jesus himself prophesied his own resurrection and told his disciples that he would conquer death. He was the one Israel had been waiting for. All the prophets had looked ahead to him. Now here he was, born in Bethlehem. As a side note, we can trust the Bible. These are just some of the prophecies that we see in Scripture. Over a hundred about Jesus and over a thousand in other topics. We are talking about truth when we talk about God's Word. Jesus was the hope of Israel, the hope that they had been waiting for, and he is our hope today. Jesus is our Savior, we're told in this passage. The angel said he would save his people from their sins, and that is true. Jesus actually means Savior, and that is what he came to this earth to do. He said it in his own words. He came to seek and to save the lost. I want to read to you a few of his own words tonight that he spoke in his ministry about the salvation that he offered. And as you listen to these words... Wherever you're at in your journey, I want you to imagine that you're hearing these from Jesus himself. Jesus defined sin for us. He said, sin is unbelief in me. There are many different ways that we can sin, but at the end of the day, the biggest question that each of us has to answer is, what have we done with Jesus? Jesus also said, if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sin. If we don't trust Jesus, there's no other way. And if we die in our sins, we'll remain separated from God for all of eternity. That's a fact, not because I came up with it, but because Jesus says it's true. You know, God didn't want to leave it there. I told someone this once, and he said, if that's true, why are you Christians always so happy? I said, because it gets a lot better. Jesus told his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, knowing that he was about to go to that cross to lay down his life for you and for me, to die for our sins. And Jesus makes us a promise, and this verse is particularly significant to me. He says in John 6, 40, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I used to struggle with the fear of death for so many years, and this verse rescued me from all of it. When I realized that the one who has conquered death offers that to me if I will believe in him. And it's the same for you tonight. If you believe in Jesus, you will be saved, forgiven, and you can look forward to an eternity with him in heaven. Jesus conquered sin and death, and he is the hope of humanity 
the hope that we celebrate tonight. He's Messiah and he's Savior, but he's also God. This passage refers to him as Emmanuel, God with us. God in human flesh, he came to this earth. We could never make it to him on our own, so he came to us. Just imagine for a second what the situation was like when he came to this earth. Imagine Mary, who had just found that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This created quite a situation for her, right? Her reputation was gone, and her life might have even been on the line. Joseph's situation was not much better. Joseph uh, probably lost his reputation too, and really, according to this passage, didn't know what to do with his fiancée at that point. They were in a hard situation. Israel was too occupied by the Romans. The whole world, for that matter, hopelessly searching for eternal life, yet knowing that it had never truly been given to them. And into this hopeless situation, Jesus, God, Emmanuel, steps onto the earth. I know that right now in this room, there are people dealing with all sorts of hopeless situations. They could be health issues, they could be financial issues, they could be relationship issues. And in the midst of those issues, I want you to know tonight that Jesus is just as much God in your life as he was in Mary's, Joseph's, and Israel's. And he is here with us tonight. He really is. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. He's our only hope. If you already know Jesus as Savior and Lord, I want to encourage you tonight to leave this place with a fresh passion for him rekindled in your heart. Don't let what you've experienced tonight just pass you by. Let the Lord do a special work in your heart and, and experience him in a very special way this Christmas season. Reminding yourself of the hope that you celebrate, that nothing in this world can take away from you. And as you do that, I want to encourage you to share that with your friends and neighbors, with your coworkers, with your relatives. There are people all around you that desperately need Jesus, that desperately need the hope that you have. They're stumbling through the darkness, but we have the light. So I encourage you, if you know Jesus, share him with those around you. Now, for some of you in this room, you don't yet know Jesus. I want to talk to you. He's here right now. And I believe he's working on your heart, even as you listen to the words I'm saying. The Bible is very clear that you and me are sinners. We know that. Sin just means that we don't measure up to God's perfect standard. He's perfect, we are not. Left that way, we would be separated from a perfect God for all of eternity and what the Bible calls hell. But God so loved you that he came to this earth and he went to the cross and he died on the cross to pay for your sins. The Bible is clear that the wages of sin is death. Well, he took that death penalty in your place on the cross. He died, scripture says, nailing our sins to the cross. 
And then he rose again, conquering death once and for all, so that all those who would put their faith and trust in him would be saved. A guarantee, not a maybe, a sure thing. If you would say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again, be my Savior and Lord. He says at that moment he would come into your life and save you and forgive you and begin to work on you and to change you and to mold you into the person that he made you to be. I remember the day that I made that decision. Before that time, even as a child, I had been plagued with fear and sadness and doubt, and he revolutionized my life. My fear, he changed into boldness, my sadness into joy, and my doubt into confidence that he's as real as the air I breathe today. And I know that he wants to do the same for you today. You might be thinking, not me, how could God love this mess? I know he loves you. He says so in his word. You might be thinking, how could God forgive my sins? I know he wants to forgive your sins, no matter how bad they are. So I want to ask you right now to pray with me. I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their head. And you don't have to repeat this out loud, but if this is the attitude of your heart, I would ask you to agree with me as I pray to make Jesus your Savior and Lord tonight. This prayer isn't what's so important. What matters is your decision to put your faith and trust in the living God that we celebrate here. That's you, and I believe there are many here. Agree with me now as I pray. And say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. And that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me eternal life. Tonight I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. I ask you to come into my life and to change me and to make me the kind of person you want me to be. Now, before you open your eyes, if that's you, I want to ask you to take a little bit of a bold step and just raise your hand. We're not going to put any attention on you, but it's a great way for you to just publicly proclaim your decision to believe in Jesus. Amen. You know, Jesus really is our Messiah, our Savior, and our God. He is the one true hope of this world, and that is something worth celebrating. That is something worth rejoicing in. Tonight, as you leave, you're going to pass a table as you make your way to the cookies. There are going to be uh, some of the best cookies you've ever eaten in your life, I guarantee it. Hot chocolate and other things. If you make a decision tonight to believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord, or even if God did something very special and rekindled something in your heart, there are going to be a few of us at the table on your way to the cookies, and we'll have some gift bags. They'll look a little bit like this. Inside these bags, we'll have some goodies, a free Bible, a great book to help you in your walk with the Lord, and even some of them have a really sweet Hoffman Town bug. I would encourage you to come by that table, please, and let us know that you made that decision. And, and if you don't have time to stop by the side of the table, will you at least do this? On the inside flap of your program, there's a response card. Let us know what God did in your heart tonight. Drop that off in one of the baskets by the doors on your way out so that we can shoot you a phone call and encourage you 
in your walk with God. Uh, I guess I want to repeat what David said in the beginning. If you don't have a home church, we'd love for you to join us here at Hockey Town. This is a church that loves the Lord, loves and honors His Word, and loves people dearly. And I believe that you'd fit in just right. So come join us on Sunday if you don't have a home church. Well, let me pray and turn it back over to David. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done in so many parts tonight. Thank you that you came to this earth because you loved us, that you died on the cross for our sins and rose again, giving us something to celebrate tonight. We love you, Jesus. 